0: So those of Flash Photography, it is another episode of Concerto, Concerto episode 9, and I am all by myself this week. And uh, the reason for that is because uh, Hal's at Daytona 500, he's providing great coverage for KCLU there, so if you want to follow along uh, about the Daytona 500 through the KCLU brand, you can keep up to date on Hal's Twitter at HalEstep20. Anyways, we got a few housekeeping things to take care of before we dive right into episode 9 of Concerto. Uh, Basically, it's been a little bit of a break This because we went on winter break uh, here at the University of Missouri, so we had a month break. And the reason why we haven't recorded since we got back from break is because me and Hal are trying to figure out a schedule. So I said, you know what, I'll just do a short solo pod this week, get that up, and then Hal will be back here next week. We're meeting him, are bouncing off the ideas, having debates, and having a little bit of a discussion about wrestling, the greatest sport in the world, believe it or not. Yes. You don't think wrestling is a sport? Well, yeah, you're probably right because it is stage. But it is not entertainment as Vince McMahon says. It is a form of sport as the way it's presented around the world. But anyways, housekeeping materials. Uh, this show will be uh, on Spotify and Google Podcasts from this time to the end of the semester. And it will be on, on Fridays in between 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. Central. uh, central standard time so that is the plan for the podcast going forward it will be up in between 12 p.m and 3 p.m central standard time on fridays anyway so i got a heck of a show on here uh today and i may it may be a short show because when i'm by myself i tend to just hit the straight points and i don't really ramble that much but I'm gonna try my best to provide a great solo pod and just kind of give my opinions, and then I'll mention some of the stuff uh, opinions Hal had too that he sent me through uh, via text message. So yeah, um, first up um, in terms of show breakdown, we got Keith Lee and Jay Watts showing up in AEW the past week. Um, we have top performers of the week, bad taste in my mouth. Uh, top performers and bad taste in my mouth are kind of like new little segments we're gonna test out. We're gonna. Try to keep top performers of the week each week. So top performers are obviously top wrestlers from the men's perspective and women's perspective too. So we'll have that, and uh, we're gonna do discuss a little bit of breaking news with Cody Rhodes, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I just got a nice little show for you. Shouldn't be too long, in my opinion. But anyways, let's get right into it. Keith Lee and JY, and I'm not sure who the Forbidden Door debut was here. But, apparently, uh, Tony Khan doesn't know what The Forbidden Door means. Honestly, wrestling, I'll put it this way. Wrestling fans do not know what The Forbidden Door means. I do not know what The Forbidden Door means. I'm pretty sure no one in the wrestling business know what The Forbidden Door means. Because, <laughs> it's, let's just be honest, no one knows what it is. So, I, I guess I can talk about The Forbidden Door to start out. To me, The Forbidden Door is a wrestler showing up at another company, like, Within a short time period when he's been showed on his previous company or promotion or her pre- previous uh, company or promotion, quite recently, I think uh, everyone says 90 day not compete clause. Yeah, but I think the best way to describe forbidden door is two promotions that don't have a working relationship. Either a wrestler is there working and with a working relationship, working relationship, the bridge to two companies, or they just said, heck with you, I'm leaving, I'm going to this place. So the best way to describe, for an example-wise, is Bobby Roode back in the Attitude Era. Um, He showed up on a tape version of Monday Night Raw, then literally like an hour later on television showed up on WCW Nitro the same night. That's the best way I can probably describe for Benendor, and that was not what this was, the past Dynamite. Anyways, Keith Lee and Jay White. Oh, let's see. Jay White's debut could have been handled a lot better, but I'm going to talk about that. First, I want to talk about Keith Lee. Keith Lee looked great. He looked better than anything he was in his WWE run, and I can tell you that he looked energized. He was booked like a monster. He beat up Isaiah Cassidy, Matt Hardy leaving the uh leaving the ringside just the way his brother Jeff did when he was released as a company was a nice little teaser there, and it's basically like we know Jeff Hardy's gonna be in his company sooner or later, and honestly. The crowd was going nuts for Keith Lee. They were chanting, bask in his glory, having, just went nuts for the guy, and it was a great debut. Probably one of, um, uh, AEW's better debuts, in my opinion, in probably AEW history. And, I mean, you look at it as a whole, the crowd was hot for it. He looked, he just looked like a star, honestly. Throwing Isaiah Cassidy around the ring, I'm pretty sure, Isaiah Cassidy flew 20 feet in the air, and across the ring at the same time. And, Yeah, Keith Lee looked great. He has an opportunity at uh, Revolution to uh, uh, win a ladder match for a future contract, I believe, at the TNT Championship for a match. So, I'm excited to see that. I hope he wins that match. I think he'd be a great TNT Champion to start out. But, anyways, let's get to Jay White. Jay White, where do I start with this debut? Not everybody knows who Jay White is. Let's be honest. Jay White, uh, most of his work has come in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, he's a Grand Slam champion from there. And he's done great work with New Japan, uh, especially taking over to Bullet Club when basically Kenny Omega left for AEW. And that's essentially Jay White has done in New Japan. And then uh, also, uh, he's worked a little bit in here in the States with Impact Wrestling, hasn't done much with it. So and not the I'm not gonna crap on Impact's audience. Impact wrestling is not what it used to be. It doesn't get the audience numbers quite like it used to. So the way they had Jay White debut with him just back facing the camera with his jacket, and basically the camera panning up towards his jacket, and Excalibur saying, "Oh, is is that? Can it be? Is that is that Jay White?" Like, great. But for the casual viewer, they don't know who Jay White is. We need to see his face. Can't see his back that's probably my one criticism I have and teaming them with Adam Cole and the Bucks is just I'm confused a little bit because there was a Bullet Club Civil War with Jay White and the Elite so I was like are they really on the same side and it's basically Adam Cole with picking between Undisputed Era, the Elite, and Bullet Club and it's like dude come on Adam Cole's booking just keeps getting worse to this point and that's what I got really from this, um, so honestly, JY um could have done a could have handled his debut a lot better in my opinion, but love what I got from Keith Lee, and we don't really know what the Forbidden Door is. Anyways, um, I'm sure Hal can probably give a little bit more in depth uh opinion on those debuts there. Um, me and him were talking about it a little bit before uh that, uh, Dynamite in particular, and we were talking about the Forbidden Door, and we were like, man, if it's anybody, but, like, I thought, originally my pick was gonna be Jeff Hardy, but I knew that was kind of a long shot based on a 90-day compete clause, as it had to be, it was coming up in early March, but I kind of thought, really, Tony Khan bought him out, and, like, unless it was a star momentum, like, shift for the Forbidden Door debut, that's what it was that's not what this was. Jay White is not a forbidden door since uh AEW has a working relationship with Impact and New Japan, so there was no forbidden do- I have how many times have I said forbidden door this episode and we're not even ten minutes in? Jeez, if I had a nickel every time I keep saying forbidden door, I'd be rich. But anyways. <laughs> um so yeah, the forbidden door debut was kind of just a little bit a letdown in my opinion. But mean how we're talking about um, the, on, the only other person we could see if it was done right being a great debut for AEW and that Dynamite was Keith Lee and it was done perfect. And I hope they continue booking Keith Lee greatly. Let's hope he is not booked terribly and like kind of similar how Mural was when he first came into AEW. Let's hope this he continues to get strong booking. And hopefully, honestly, I hope to see Keith Lee as the next TNT champion i think that would be the i think that'd be the right move taking it off Samuel Guevara. v keith lee is the next tnt champion i like that a lot or andrade el idolo that was a tidbit from this week's dynamite but we're not going to talk about this week's dynamite on this week's show anyways now that's basically my opinion there with jay white keith lee like i said how will be back uh next week to give his opinion there and before we get into top performers of the week Uh, We are going to get into a break. Did you know KCOU does columns? I bet you didn't. Well, KCOU reporters are constantly posting columns from Mizzou coverage to national sports teams, soccer, professional wrestling, UFC, you name it, KCOU sports does a column on it. I can guarantee it. March Madness, baseball, hockey, any sport you like. Heck, even the Olympics is covered. Plus the Mizzou coverage, like I said recently, like I said before. And basically, we cover it all here at KCLU in terms of columns, too. So if you want to take a look at KCLU columns, you can go on kclu.fm slash category slash sports slash. I know has a lot of slashes, so I'll say it again. kclu.fm slash category slash sports slash. And that's where you can find all KCLU's columns for the sports side. All right, I am back here for Top Performers of the Week. And... Let's just dive right on into it. I'll tell you what Hal had as his top performers of the week, and I'll tell you what I had, and then I'll kind of break down um, what my thoughts on was Hal's, and obviously I'll have Hal will be back next week kind of just to defend his top performers of this week, last week, basically (laughs) kind of all finicky with uh, how the show's going this week. But anyways, um, Hal had Hangman Page and AQA, and I kind of agreed a little bit with AQA, and not really so Hangman Page, but anyways— uh, for this week, I had Brock Lesnar and I had Lita/AQA. slash So, top performers of the week. Let's. I'm gonna break down house. Uh, Hangman Adam Page had a Texas Death Match, although you couldn't really say it was a Texas Death Match in my opinion because it wasn't. Um, but Hangman Adam Page, in terms of performance and showing grit as your fi- as a fighting champion, he did that. Um, I love the the back of uh, the the springboard off the referee for the buckshot lariat into the tables that was a nice spot to end the match i really like that aqa uh green wrestler um you can tell she's def. i wonder if she's i wonder if she's at the nightmare factory school or not i think she is i'm not 100 percent sure but uh she said she did some training with booker t and i like that a lot because booker t is a great wrestler so i think she's in good hands if she's learned her wrestling um from booker t And AQA, I have to say, love the shooting star press. She got some height on that first one. But the second one, just, I don't know what was going on. It looked like Jade was a little slow to get up there in her match. It was just kind of, just a little bit weird ending. You can tell AQA was green. But for a rookie, great performance out of her. I think it was good. I think they should utilize her more in dark. I don't think she's quite ready for more TV exposure. Um, one thing I would like to see is just better ring gear from her. I think Jim Cornette said it best. she kind of just looked like a skater out there and I was like uh, I mean her ring gear wasn't too bad. she just kind of looked like a skater out there kind of it's like we already have one of those in Darby Allen like let's get you some let's get you some better gear and let's just literally just keep working with you and see how you develop. I think AQA can, has potential to be a good solid women's wrestler for AEW. And I think she just needs to develop a little bit more. So nothing to take away from her. Uh, I came in with an open mind. That's why I had her split with Lita for my performers of the week. So I agree solely with AQA being in that conversation for top performers of the week. Anyways, uh, I disagree with how, when it comes to Hangman hey Adam Page. Um, mainly because of Brock Lesnar. And believe it or not, this is because of Brock Lesnar's appearance on the Pat McAfee show. I know it has nothing to do with wrestling. I'm kind of breaking the rule with top performers. I was probably... To explain the rule of top performers really quick the rule of top performers is basically so this week's show is coming out on friday the 18th well i'm talking about the week in wrestling before so you're not going to hear anything about dynamite on the 16th that will be reserved for next week's episode so anyways i kind of broke the rule a little bit because it included this week the monday but his performance on a pat McAfee show was something we haven't really seen out of brock lesnar just did a, a literally an hour long mic work podcast with Pat McAfee on a show, and it was straight fire. I mean, breaking the table from the first two minutes. Great, loved it from Brock. Um, I think Pat McAfee asked him, "Hey, Brock, are you a Viking?" And he's like, "Brock, are you a Viking?" Like, I swear you are. And he was like, "Yeah, I was born in the wrong century, Pat. I mean, everything." They talked about what he did during the pandemic. Brock talked how he bought all talked how he bought all this land up in uh, Saskatchewan. Minnesota and it was great honestly it was awesome um I love the fact that uh Brock was making jokes he was like oh yeah for every 10,000 acres you buy in uh, Saskatchewan they give you a free uh, cowboy hat it was just great um an- another line I really loved um McAfee found out and literally in the middle of the interview was like, well, you never been in an elimination. chamber." He said, you never been in the elimination chamber before. Have you? And Brock was like, no, nah, I haven't. And Pat was like, well, what's your strategy going there? And Brock said, Oh, just kill them all. And I was like, man, I am a more excited. Probably the most, I'm most excited to see Brock Lesnar perform at the elimination chamber now because of that interview. Cause I know he's just going to destroy everybody. He may not win, but I think he's going to destroy everybody. And, <laughs> I'm excited to see what Brock does at the Elimination Chamber now because of this. I love the interview. I'm becoming a Brock Lesnar guy. I never, ever thought I would say this. I never, ever thought I would say I would enjoy Brock Lesnar, ever. I never really thought I would say that because it, Brock was always the guy that would just take the championship, leave for like months on end, defend it one to two times every three months, and then just be gone. He was never on TV with the belt on the whole Goldberg program. It was great at Survivor Series, but they never run its course, and having that at WrestleMania was just was awful. <laughs> so, like, I had a very sour taste of Brock Lesnar coming back, and this babyface run of his has just been amazing. The story with Heyman. I really, honestly, I know they're probably not going to take the belt off of Roman at WrestleMania, but honestly, I would love to see Brock Lesnar defeat Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship at WrestleMania. I think that would be fantastic. Just babyface Brock. The moment would be awesome, hilarious, and just amazing all at the same time. But yeah, um, and Alita. Uh, let's talk about Lita a little bit. I like the uh, promo she had um, against Becky Lynch, and honestly, her fire and tenacity during that promo just got me more excited to see Alita and Becky Lynch. I never had a chance to see Alita perform Ever. I never watched Lita wrestle on TV live. So this is like very exciting for me as a basically young wrestling fan, someone who really likes wrestling, to see Lita come back. I know she, I know she's a little bit older and she may not be as athletic as she used to, but for someone that's never really seen Lita in ring perform, I'm excited because her, what her... What Lita and Trish Stratus did for the women's division in the early 2000s, an a time period women's wrestling was just basically seen as sex appeal, was great. Like, what Lita and Trish did in the ring was amazing. And so I started watching wrestling around 2005, 2008 is my earliest memory of it, but I know I've been watching since 2005. And I never really got to see Lita and Trish Stratus tear it up. I never got to see them tear down a building. And I love what Becky Lynch does as a a female performer. She's amazing in ring. And I really want to see Becky Lynch from Ronda at WrestleMania so bad. I can't tell you how bad I want to see that. But Lita and Becky Lynch is probably the most match I'm excited for at Elimination Chamber. I think it's going to be the best one. I don't think it's going to be the best match, my bad. But I think it's the one a lot of people are going to be more excited about. And uh, probably, like I said, Brock Lesnar, probably most excited performer I want to see at Elimination Chamber, but most exciting match I want to see is uh, uh, Becky Lynch and Lita. I think it's going to be a great match. Um, I obviously think Becky's going to pick up the win there. It would be surprising if Lita picked up the win and they carried us into WrestleMania. I wouldn't be mad with it, but like I said, I'm selfish. I want to see Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey one-on-one. We were supposed to get it a couple years ago. At Survivor Series didn't happen because Lynch's nose was broken again by Nia Jax and we got Charlotte it, it was a great match between Charlotte and Ronda but and they were supposed to get that year's WrestleMania too but it didn't happen because someone in the back thought it was a great booking decision to put Charlotte in the mix and to have the whole Becky two belts I would have been happy with Ronda and Becky would have been great in my opinion anyways uh, bad taste in my mouth this week. There are two things that are bad taste in my mouth. Uh, the presentation of the Texas Deathmatch and a dynamite. Oh, my gosh. Where do I begin with this crap show? Um, I'm just going to call it what it is. It was mud show. As Jim Cornette would say, it was mud show, indie, wrestling, pure garbage. That's what it was. The rules of a Texas deathmatch is you have to ping your opponent and then the 10 count starts for the knockout. AEW did not do that. I don't know if it was a time constraint or whatever, but they straight up eliminated the pin stipulation and just added a submission element to it. So it's submission or knockout. Not pinfall, then knockout. So... It's this not even a Texas Death match. It's just another crappy mud show indie wrestling deathmatch. And it was pure garbage outside of a few spots. Put it that way. Um the hot start at the start made no sense. Uh the announcers made it seem like Lance Archer was attacking Paige before before I guess before Lance Archer was making his way to the ring. So like like you're telling me two guys We're like just right next to each other about to make an entrance one after the other. Like, no, that's stupid. You're trying to present wrestling as a real combat sport. That's what we're going for here. But wrestling, everyone knows it ends out wrestling. Everyone knows it's fake. Yes, but the presentation is you're still trying to sell it as real. And it doesn't come off as real when you have two guys, a hot start in the back. It makes it seem like they're literally waiting in the same area. I'm backstage about to make the entrance one after the other. Stupid. Lazy. It would have worked if, let's say, Hangman Page was coming out. Then Lance Archer, out of nowhere, attacks Page. That would work. But they didn't do that. And Hangman Page got the upper hand and then threw Lance Archer through a glass pane on the entrance ramp. And it was like, they got the... They got the angle of Lance Archer as he was crashing into the pane so you can see him so you can see the glass pane nothing and then Archer as he crashes through so it's like it's kind of like a point of view look at what you were looking at from the inside of the where the glass pane was again it makes it seem like that spot was planned yes it was a planned spot but because of the camera angle that you provided it was a great camera angle don't get me wrong it was awesome it looks cool but because that camera angle was a thing it looked like a planned spot which can get back to my point it looks like fake wrestling i know what wrestling is fake we all know wrestling is fake but you're trying to present it as real combat sport not fake wrestling and that's what this was it was a spot it, it could have been it could have been easily but honestly i would have just preferred a hot start and they get into the ring um hangman page then hits the buckshot lariat and because we don't have the pin stipulation uh the 10 count gets started and uh lance archer gets up and essentially buries the buckshot lariat so the buckshot lariat is basically a weak move now because, i wouldn't say it's a weak move but it already it <laughs> it's like the clothesline of doom or the clothesline from hell <laughs> like it's it's just a clothesline it's it's literally what it is it's a springboard clothesline so the fact that it just doesn't get that strong booking that it would in a texas deathmatch would have been great right if it was a actual texas deathmatch without the submission element and the pin element they could have hit the buckshot lariat one two three and then the 10 count starts i know you know you can make the same argument oh but he gets up after the 10 count yes but after the pin Lance Archer could slowly roll out a ring and then land on his feet on the outside. Kind of protects the move a little bit better, in my opinion. So that was horrible. Um, Dan Lambert then coming down in the middle of the match, removing the top turnbuckle, um, was out of nowhere, and I was like, "What the heck is he doing?" But the announcers cleaned that up by saying, "Oh, you get rid of the top turnbuckle, then you get rid of the you get rid of the buckshot layer because there's no top rope for him to." Great point. Good way to clean that up. Uh, you explained it well. Nice job, commentary um that was basically that uh then they continue fighting outside the ring they go into the crowd another mud show indie garbage style death match type of deal and then Jake the Snake is there and this is where i kind of really kind of lost it and just almost turned off the match itself Jake the Snake Roberts right is he is a manager of Lance Archer. Lance Archer is a heel. As a heel, you want any upper hand you can get to get heat, whether that be your manager beating the crap out of the babyface. Well, this is a match that has no rules. Jake the Snake Roberts hits a clothesline on Hangman Adam Page. Great. Love it. Then Jake the Snake is about to put him up and give him a DDT on exposed concrete that Lance Archer just exposed from the mat. And the crowd is chanting DDT, DDT. Like they want to see Jake the Snake Roberts deliver this DDT. And we don't get that because, whatever reason, Lance Archer grabs Jake the Snake, yells at him, tells him no. And then Jake the Snake gets mad at Lance Archer. So they're getting heat on each other. It makes no sense. Like, as a heel, you want your manager to beat up the babyface. You would think in the match. When the championships on the line you're a heel you're gonna try to win any way possible especially when there's no rules in this match right so if you have the benefit of your manager landing a ddt on the exposed concrete go ahead and do it so basically lance archer then did himself in because dang adam page didn't hit a move on the exposed concrete and it's like what the heck lazy spot fest boring stupid what the heck are you doing? That's basically what I would call it. Like, of course, the crowd popped for it because, yeah, who doesn't like an exposed concrete spot? But I found it as just lazy, stupid, boring, in my opinion. That's when I almost turned it off, and I basically lost interest in the match. Um, From there, there's just blood everywhere because Hangman Page gets busted open. Lance Archer was already busted open from the start of the match, mind you, from the Glass pane incident um and the match basically ends with um so there's two tables set up on the outside and you know they do the falling table spot earlier in the match you think someone's gonna fall through the table again lazy um I love a great table spot but man oh man it was just it it was weird (laughs) especially the ending too it's like those tables were set up that long and hangman and archer only went through one of them they overshot missed the first one and got the second one so basically how the match ended was hangman page did a springboard off the referee and hit the buckshot lariat it looked cool it shows hangman page is athletic it was great i liked the spot it was great i love seeing tables break i love seeing people go through tables i loved it great finish to the match but one thing i will critique here is basically you could tell um that, that you could tell there could be some confusion at the end if you're a casual uh, if you're a casual view and i'll explain it this way so the referee started to 10 count and hangman page barely gets to his feet before uh, lance archer doesn't so hangman page gets to his feet and as a referee's about basically to count 10 hangman page rolls into the ring and at about 9 10 at that count, Hangman Page is on the ground in the ring and then he stands up. So, like, we know Hangman Page had already beaten the count about two seconds before. But when he's on the ground like that in the ring, it's like, is does that count as him being down for the ten count or not? I know that's nitpicky to pick at. I think it would have been just better if he just stood up and just kind of grabbed the ring post for a little bit of support or held onto the apron for support or something like that. Leaning, great. I think that would just done better and cause less confusion for a casual viewer. But, uh, yeah, th- that's the one thing I'll nitpick. Um, outside of that, I like the finish. Amy Page retains. Adam Cole comes out and basically kind of just shoots his shot for the AW World Championship. And I hope Adam Cole, Adam Cole based on his booking, basically desperately needs his belt right now. <laughs> and honestly, unless we get some better booking for Adam Cole... um. It, Adam Cole needs the belt unless there's better booking for him coming in the future but I don't think that's going to happen so uh who knows I, I don't think it's going to happen in terms of better booking I think I think it's not going to happen for Adam Cole getting the belt I should have clarified that but anyways uh, before uh, also uh, before I get into another break uh, the second bad taste in my mouth was Jeff Hardy basically got screwed out of WWE and I'll say I wanted to save this for when Hal was on the show But I knew I could not contain myself, and I could not gloss over it because I am such a Hardy fan. Um, Jeff Hardy's always been my favorite wrestler, been a big fan of the guy, grew up watching him. He is my all-time favorite wrestler. Jeff Hardy, probably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, in my opinion. And and I'm not saying he's the greatest. I'm not saying based on in ring work. In terms of popularity, being a babyface, and just everybody universally loving Jeff Hardy, That. That, that's where he's 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 a goat basically in my opinion because of that and like i said i love jeff my my first wrestling memory was a jeff hardy winning the wwe championship my first wrestling memory was seeing him come up short in a championship scramble by the way they should bring that back that was kind of cool um anyways like i remember that whole just fall of kid jeff winning come on jeff like i as a little kid Watching that, I thought it was real. I would be sad or happy based on how Jeff would perform. So he's been my all-time favorite wrestler. And we all know how he got released from WWE. Well, WWE basically did this to Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, just whatever reason, during the house show match, maybe he just had a bad day, got just rag by somebody he was working with, just said, screw it, I'm just going to walk into the crowd take pictures of fans so initially people think he was on something and yes no i mean if you take a look back at the 2011 victory road incident and that it just looked like jeff hardy was in severe pain and just something happened to and he said screw it i'm done that's what it looked like to me in this match he did not really look inebriated because we saw how that went back at 2011 victory road um To me, so WWE then basically gives Jeff Hardy the ultimatum of go to rehab or get released. Well, this is before the results of the drug test they had Jeff take. Before the results of the drug test come back, they say, go to rehab or be released. And he, knowing he was not intoxicated, said, no, I'm good. There's no reason for me to go to rehab. They release him. Well, come to find out, the drug test came back negative. And, boy, does WWE look stupid now because you just released one of your biggest stars ever. And, to have, to help, and he can help revitalize Matt Hardy in that tag division in AEW. And, he can have probably one last good singles run or two in terms of feuds. He can have, he has probably about two, three good feuds left in him for a singles run in AEW. And, he probably has, probably at least one year in the tag division and maybe a year and a half as a singles competitor. That would be my cap on his career right now. Maybe a little bit longer. But you, you basically release one of your top stars. Everyone loves this guy no matter what. Um, He's going to revitalize Matt Hardy. Uh, they could do the broken thing. They could do anything they want. And you then try to offer him Hall of Fame, which he obviously doesn't accept because... They basically slandered the guy, and uh, yeah, plus another thing, Jeff Hardy is uh, a great guy for doing this. He said he did not want Hall of Fame unless Matt Hardy was going in with him as a Hardy Boys, so that just shows kind of just how much Jeff cares about the Hardy Boys, and that he thinks they should go in together, and because honestly, Jeff Hardy by himself is a two-time Hall of Famer. Just his singles run back in 08, 09, um, even his heel run in TNA, and even the redemption story arc in TNA back in 20 uh back in late 2012, early 2013, mid 2013, the whole TNA championship run there, uh, Broken Hardys again, um, the vignettes he had of Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura coming back was just great. So even the rivalry with Sheamus was great too. I mean, you can point to moments in Jeff Hardy's career where he deserves that two time ballot not two-time two-time ballot two-time hall of fame status as a singles competitor and as a hardy Boys. but i think it just speaks to the character jeff that he wants to go in with his brother before we end out the show and go into some breaking news uh we're going to get into uh one last break here at kclu we have all kinds of radio shows and one of them i want to highlight is the gold standard you can listen to the gold standard at 10 a.m on tuesdays on kclu 88.1 fm Host Car Brown does a great job of covering Olympic sports, and especially right now with the 2022 Winter Olympic Games in Beijing. Um, she also dives into um, Olympic news with Olympic athletes. You name it, she does a great job just providing coverage with anything with Olympic sports, really. And uh, I, she does a great job. So go ahead and take a uh, go take a listen sometime to the Gold Standard on KCLU 88.1 FM 10 a.m. on Tuesdays. Alright, well, uh, the bad taste in my mouth and top performers went a little bit longer than I expected. So, um, I don't know how long this last segment is going to roll throughout the show, but we're going to get into some breaking news. Stone Cold, uh, first one, before we get into Cody Rhodes and everything, let's talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know it, the glass breaks. Here comes Stone Cold hitting stunners, taking it to Vince McMahon, drinking beer. That's what he does is Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he will be Well, I don't want to say will be back, but potentially will be back at Wrestlemania for one more match. You heard it. That's right. This week in wrestling news, it had broke that Stonkel Steve Austin was in talks with WWE to show up at Wrestlemania for one more match. And you could see it on WWE TV this week. Kevin Owens basically insulting Texas. He already uses a stunner too. Give it to me. And it kind of goes back to the whole lead-up point before Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestling and retiring was kind of just a little bit before my time. When I started watching wrestling, heck, he started watching wrestling. But keep watching wrestling. He started wrestling before I was even born. So I would love to see Stone Cold Steve Austin get into the ring. I don't care if it's another five-minute Undertaker squash match with John Cena. It can be done right. I want to see Stone Cold. I know he's 57, but you know what? Stone Cold probably always been in tremendous shape. I mean, you see him on his podcast. He's always in tremendous shape. And besides, who doesn't want to hear the glass break, walk down, hit a couple stunners, maybe get a couple more offenses, in, and just, you know, win, drink some beers, and get out of WrestleMania. We get the crowd hyped. I would love it, and it would be awesome. Um, and they also believe um, – as the story developed later on in the week two, that uh, Steve Austin may um, come back to WWE in somewhat of capacity, similar to what Edge has done and Goldberg has done, which is he'll perform a couple matches here and there throughout the year. I don't know how I'd feel about Stone Cold doing that. I would love more of that from Edge, just saying, because Edge is great. But if it's done right to where we're not oversaturated like how we are with Goldberg, And how Stone Cold Steve Austin is not getting title opportunity after title opportunity. I think that would be great. I think he should have one title opportunity and that would be it. That would be it. Um, Also, uh, there is apparently another Steve Austin level surprise at WrestleMania. That's another rumor circulating in the wrestling news so far this week. But let's talk about Cody Rhodes. Oh my goodness. The American Nightmare. Son of the American Dream. Dusty Rhodes, Cody Rhodes has left all elite wrestling. His baby, he founded it with Tony Khan, the Bucks. He's one of the EVPs and he's reportedly basically going back to WWE. Now, as it stands, I will say if this is a work, this will be the all-time greatest work in history. Jim Cornette said it best. The people can't hate you but basically the people will miss you if they can't see you and and basically cody's instance instance the people can't hate you if they can't see you well if this is a work genius on aw but it comes out um wwe has been in contact with cody's camp um cody has been working without a contract in aw i believe for six weeks now so there's no non-compete clause or anything like that and it's reported that Cody Rhodes wanted more money. He wanted CM Punk and Daniel Bryan's entire money. And I think if Cody if basically if his contract had come up a year before Daniel Bryan and CM Punk came in, um he would be he would be with the company right now, and he would have been re-signed for a couple more years. Um, I it's, to me, I think Tony Khan values Cody as. Probably not Danielson, CM Punk level. And it's not to say that he isn't. It's just the negative fan reactions, the reality shows have just kind of just made a lot of people sour on Cody. And it's, I don't know. Cody Rose going to WWE, who knows what's going to happen there. Apparently Vince, it's reported that Vince basically offered him like, you know, a great push and all this and that to treat him like a star. Because Cody's always wanted to be been treated like a star. And I think Cody, with his last WWE run and his indie run right now, I think Cody left WWE with the goal of becoming a star. And he essentially did that. And the reason why I say this is, I saw on Twitter from Wrestling Commentator, Cody Rhodes, uh, we, we heard this news about Stone Cold Steve Austin break. And in about, literally about a day later... Cody Rhodes dominating the wrestling world because he's leaving AEW for WWE. Think about that. Cody Rhodes became a bigger name than Stall Cold Steve Austin in wrestling headline perspective, in terms of a complete journalism perspective, not star value, not drawing, just a journalism perspective in the wrestling industry than Stall Cold Steve Austin. It's safe to say Cody Rhodes has basically become the star... He set out to be, but I don't think it's in the way he wanted based on the reactions he was getting from the AEW crowd. The constant booing was basically that, and I believe that's what did him in at AEW, was just the crowd just, the crowd just basically booing him, and Tony Khan, having that riff of Tony Khan in the back too, Tony Khan's basically saying he's had more control kind of didn't really give cody his credit because cody was really involved and i think cody just wanted more money um and i think it's a big win for wwe by no means is it a huge it is a huge loss for AEW, but people saying oh this is hogan-esque of hogan going to wcw no this is not this is not going to put AEW in the ground i can tell you that the reason why AEW is just fine and they're not they're not gonna. They're yes. They're gonna have some hurt from this because Cody was their top one of their top stars, but AEW has CM Punk, has Brian Danielson, MJF, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Christian Cage if they actually use him, Jeff Hardy's coming in, uh, Keith Lee right now, Sammy Guevara, uh, I can just keep naming names. That's literally what I can keep naming right now. Adam Cole if he has better booking mind you, um, Hangman Page, Omega should be back even though. I I, I kind of soured a little bit on Kenny Omega for some reasons, but y- you know what you get from Omega, you're gonna get it five star matches from Omega, because he's a great wrestler. Um, it's just you can keep naming names. AEW has a great roster, um, and who's to know who's gonna be next? Probably old Pete Dunne's probably on the chopping block soon at NXT. I would expect Roger Strong soon. So that that's just my opinion there, in terms of just. AEW being fine. Now, WWE, massive win for WWE. And the reason why I say this is, if they can book Cody Rhodes right, I think Cody Rhodes, the first thing he needs, he needs his music. I know this may sound crazy, but the music for Cody Rhodes, his theme music, his entrance music, is going to be a pivotal point for Cody Rhodes. If he comes back... With his old entrance music as the dashing Cody Rhodes or the old Rhodes theme from the Legacy, it makes it's it's gonna die on it's gonna die on contact basically. It's gonna die on spot when Cody arrives. It's gonna die on arrival. That's the words I was looking for. If he has Kingdom by Down Straight, this would make sense. Whole all of Cody's booking in the indie wrestling has been. You are, you built my kingdom. I mean, he basically was, you, you, like, you took everything from me. I built my kingdom. Uh, you may have took my name, but not my dreams. That's literally right to the song, right to the chorus song. That's been his gimmick, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. And that's been his gimmick. And if he comes in with a Dashing Cody Rhodes gimmick or the Stardust gimmick or anything like that, he's dead on arrival. What he needs is that, the the song Kingdom by down straight coming in like that, and it basically in a perfect world if Triple H was healthy, book it. Cody wrote Triple H WrestleMania. That's what you would book, and Cody would go over. But who knows what's going on with Triple H? So the next best thing, there there are basically a couple things I would do. One, Cody has to have his music, and I think Cody does have his music because he came into the Indies before um, AEW and. I don't know if he bought that song or bought the rights to that song, but I'm pretty sure WWE can use that song or unless, unless they come up with something completely new, but CFOs aren't there anymore. So it's not, it's not like it's going to matter because the theme music will suck anyways. Um, th- that's just my opinion on it. I know that's a very hard nosed opinion, but that's, that will basically be it. Um, if Cody Rhodes comes in with kingdom, that his entrance music kingdom and comes in with the same gimmick he had in AEW, it can work. And it can work in two ways because, like I said, dream scenario is Triple H. But I don't think it's a possibility right now because Triple H recently had some heart issues. So there are a couple things. You, The most seamless option right now would be three ways I could see him. He could either show up on SmackDown right away because WWE – sees it as a huge win of having one of the company's founders, AEW's founders, showing up on their TV show. He's the first defect from AEW to WWE. First big-named defect. One of the founders. WC's sees it as a huge win. If he comes up on SmackDown, I don't know. Because I think this—yeah, I yeah, I'm pretty sure this week's SmackDown is taped. So I don't think he's going to show up. But if it's somehow he showed up while it was taped and we are getting that, be incredible. But I don't think he's going to show up on this week's SmackDown. Um, you throw him into a program for the Intercontinental Championship and he brings relevance to that belt. And it would work great. Um, I can see him having great feuds with The Miz. If Miz is on SmackDown, I don't know if he's on Raw right now. But that Intercontinental Championship has been dead for basically the past, well, since the Thunderdome. It's been dead for a while now. And it's just not what it used to be. Shinsuke Nakamura's run with the belt I thought was going to be good but it wasn't it was horrible so an intercontinental belt is just dead right now it's just bad it's it needs some relevance to it i think cody could do a good job of bringing relevance to that belt to me cody rose doesn't need to be universal champion or wwe champion he needs to bring relevance to a mid-card championship that has a lot of history behind it when you think of intercontinental champions you think ray mysterio chris jericho some of the older guys um, Eddie Guerrero, um, uh, I'm blanking on a couple names. Uh, Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels in the first ladder match. The Intercontinental Championship is one of the most inter, most important, probably one of the most old, one of the older championships in WWE, and it's one of the most important in my opinion. It's like it's one of the better championships, and it's the way it's just been booked right now has been awful, and the book has, and the, the belt has no relevance to it. So I think Cody bringing relevance to the Intercontinental Championship would be great. The second program I can see him doing is with Roman Reigns. And I think it would be great if he did this as an Intercontinental Champion too. Um, you What you can do is, every, Cody left around the same time Roman was really getting that big push. So what Roman could do was, I held you back in the back. You, your dad was nothing. You're just like your father. A failure. And he could really just attack the road's name. Yes, it's kind of a little bit of cheap heat, but it would work. It would get Cody over, and it goes back to the same principle within his theme song. You took my dreams, but not my name. You literally, you that that goes back to the same principle of his theme music, and it would work great. Um Cody's built his own kingdom. He left built his kingdom has come back from the kingdom and it's looking to build something new now. And just, it would be fresh. It would be good. And I think it would work. Obviously Cody wouldn't go over, but if he worked just two to three pay-per-view matches, similar to what we got with AJ Styles with Roman Reigns and Cody's a good worker. Now, don't not fault Cody Rhodes. He's a great worker. And honestly, seeing Cody Rhodes go to WWE brings a little bit of excitement to, WWE, my opinion, and I honestly feel more motivated to watch. And I'm gonna be on high alert until WrestleMania. If Cody Rhodes is not, if Cody Rhodes is not there before WrestleMania, he's there at WrestleMania, and I'd be on high alert for that. And honestly, I think it would be great if he got into a program if at WrestleMania, for the Intercontinental Championship comes back wins it, hear the kingdom music, heck, maybe, and he has his dog come down to ringside with him, because his husky's awesome, (laughs) so, honestly, I I just hope WWE doesn't screw up Cody Rhodes, but, let's be real, I think WWE is probably gonna bury Cody Rhodes, he smashed the Triple H throne on AEW's opening show, you name it, (laughs) he's constantly trashed WWE before, so, he pr- he probably end up in the 24-7 belt title scene and gets pinned by Lita. That's my prediction. But if I were booking it, I would do what I said before. Intercontinental Championship, program with Roman, builds him, builds Roman more, builds Intercontinental Championship. I think it would be a great way for Cody Rhodes to have a great run in WWE and be used that way. But who knows what's actually going to happen. Like I said, it could be, you know, big work. Um, that's some speculation if it's a big work. It would be... Probably one of the best in wrestling history if that happens. But anyways, uh, that is the show for this week. Me and Hal will be back uh, next week. And, yeah, thank you for listening and have a great day.